This topic has really made me think a little bit philosophically about what does it mean to be a designer and like, what is design? Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name's Charlie. And my name's Femke. And welcome to episode 200, by the way. Oh my gosh, this is episode 200. (laughs) What an unassuming start we just gave to it. I love it. Yeah, this is so exciting. I think we've been doing this show for like five years now. I think it was 2015 that we started. So this is, I don't know, kind of exciting uh, for us. So if you've listened from episode one... Wow. Thank you. Wow. That's I would love to hear amazing. from anyone who actually has listened from episode one. Like, even if you haven't caught every episode, but if you were there at the start, wow. Just wow. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for all the support over the years. We, we love making the show and we're glad that you listened to it. So thank you so much to everyone for all their support. Today's episode, we're going to talk about... Does using design freebies make you less of a designer? This topic came in by request from a listener. I'll read out what they said. They, they said, sometimes I feel like when I gather inspiration for my personal work, both in, in UX and UI, I tend to download free mockups or templates and really create something 100% from scratch, which in turn makes me feel like a quote unquote fake designer. There are thousands of freebies out there. Sometimes I get really excited about them because you can find some really cool stuff. But I wish I had more designs that were 100% made by me. I think this will be really interesting to talk about because I definitely have noticed too, like the growing sort of marketplace, for lack of better terms, of like design resources and freebies and templates and things that you can use in your designs. And I don't think we've really touched on that much in the show. So I'm excited to talk about this and hear your perspective on this, Charlie. But before we get stuck into it, how are things with you? Things are going good. Yeah, I'm talking at Figma's config conference coming up soon, which actually by the time this episode goes out, might've already happened. <laughs> I can't, I'm not up to date with um, what our publishing schedule is, but yeah, looking forward, looking forward to that been sort of refining my talk a little it's going good how about you yeah I am also doing good I'm quote-unquote speaking at a conference actually later this week it's pre-recorded so I've already kind of done the conference talk which feels a bit weird it's cool to be like that these conferences are still going on I think is really cool um even sort of like in a remote way so yeah that's been that's been fun and I'm excited to kind of like remotely virtually attend that as well and watch your own talk. <laughs> yeah, that'll be so weird. <laughs> That's going to be fun though. Yeah, it's cool how people have managed to adapt, you know, in the situation. I think that it just goes to show that creative people find a way. We find a way to get through. Yeah, totally. Uh, before we get into today's topic, this episode, like every other episode in the month of September, is sponsored by the wonderful people over at Webflow. Webflow is a no-code website building tool that is especially great for designers because it's a tool that means you can bring your designs to life without needing to, first of all, learn to code or second of all, hire a developer (laughs) or an engineer to make them happen for you. So it gives you a lot of power for bringing your designs to life. It's a tool that both Femka and I use for our personal sites. And one of my favorite parts about it is the CMS. Uh, I know you've used Squarespace before, Fem, right? Right. For your website, yeah. And I used WordPress for a previous one. And it honestly blew my mind 
the first time I started <laughs> using Webflow and saw that, like this is the power of what I could do with a CMS that was totally customizable. Whereas to do that sort of thing in WordPress required a lot of code. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. let me explain a little bit the Webflow CMS instead of having like, you know, say you want to create a blog post, you have the title, you have the post content, you know, that's what would come normally in a CMS. With Webflow, you can also add whatever other fields you want. Yep. So if you want to have like this little snippet over here, an image here, like whatever it is you want to do. I found it especially powerful for my podcast site, uh, for our podcast site as well, but also the one for inside marketing design that I set up. I have a CMS with all of the bits and pieces to go in all the places in my design that I want. And it just makes me feel like super powerful that I can make that happen. Totally. Yeah. Our Design Life podcast website is totally on Webflow and we use the CMS to post our podcast episodes. So every podcast episode is done through the CMS. And yeah, you can see a good example of if you go to, I guess, this episode, designlife.fm slash 200, uh, you will see like different blocks kind of throughout the page. And each of those blocks is a different field in the CMS. So it's super easy, like you say, to kind of construct it how you want and have your own fields and organize the information how you want nicely presented on the page. So yeah, I've, I've been loving it. It's great. Yeah, it gives, gives you a way to make your designs more customized and personalized, I suppose, as well to, to the content. So if you want to try out Webflow for yourself and get to building a site with it, you should sign up at webflow.com. There'll be a link in the description for this episode as well. And if you use the code designlife, all one word, then you can get 10% off any new annual plan. So thanks Webflow for supporting the show. Thank you. Let's get into talking about the topic, freebies. Uh This is really interesting for me and I sort of go back and forth about it. Can I just spew some things? Yes, To start with. Please do. Okay. First of all, I don't believe we are ever ever creating a design completely from scratch. Whenever you design something, you're probably using a font if there's any text in it, and you probably didn't design that font yourself, you know? Um, You might use an icon here, grab a color palette here. I don't think that from scratch is, is really a thing in design, if you really think about it. I also think that like in your job, especially Femme, as a UX designer, you are not literally designing every pixel of the designs you create. You're no. using a system, using pieces someone else designed. Yep, it's true. Are you a fake designer because of that? Absolutely not. So I don't know, I guess that's my overall opinion is that using pre-existing elements doesn't make you a fake designer. But I will say there is a limit to how much I think you should use them within your designs to still it be, you know, you designing them. Yeah, I've been trying to think like if I have a strong opinion on this and I don't know if I do. I think I'm like, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. (laughs) Very Kiwi of you. (laughs) I know. So I think ultimately, no, I don't think this makes you a fake designer is probably where I'm leaning towards. But I do think there's like maybe a limit of how much you should use in a design or maybe the intention of how you're using it. Like, I think it's great to use these resources as like a jumping off point or like a starting point, or maybe you're using it to elevate your existing design that you have, or, you know, you're pulling in resources that you need to use to be more efficient, to improve your design. And the process of doing that is design in a way, like making those decisions of like what things you should use, how you should put it together, how everything complements each other. All of those decisions that you're making is design. So it's not just about the like visual UI output. I think like the decisions that go into that is the job of a designer. And I don't think these like 
mock-ups are making those decisions for you. They're just kind of helping guide you. Yes, exactly. So like, like you said, like deciding which assets to even use, you are designing just by picking exactly. like this star graphic instead of this one. Like, right. you know, you're making a choice and a selection based on what you feel will work best in your overall composition. I think that it's maybe hard to explain to people who aren't designers already why this is still counted as design mm -hmm. because they look at it and they're like, oh, you just like grab this, this and this and combined it together. Like I could have done that. And it's kind of the modern art approach of, <laughs> right. yeah, but you didn't because you didn't have the taste level to know <laughs> that these combined elements would work well together, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. I love what you brought up earlier as well. I was going to bring this into this episode too, is how like I rely extremely heavily on a pre-existing design system library that has been totally designed and created by a team other than myself. And so I'm constantly using like pre-existing components, textiles, colors, like it's almost like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. I mean, would you argue I'm not creating that design from scratch? Like, I don't know. I think that's debatable, but I'm totally relying on like internal resources and design elements created by other members of my team, which I don't think makes me any less of a designer. Again, back to like what I was saying earlier, I think the process and role of design is making those decisions to compose a final experience, let's say. And whether you do that by creating the button, like designing the button yourself from scratch or pulling in an existing element, like I don't think your decision on that makes you any less of a designer. Yeah, and I think this is a sign of where design has gone with you know the advancement of technology and the more access we have to resources and things. Being a designer, it's not the most valuable skill as a designer that you can create a button. Right. Like anyone who's not a designer can do that nowadays thanks to the advancement of technology and all that, like I said. Right. As a designer, your skill and where your value comes in is knowing exactly where to place that button, what it should say, what color it should be, making those choices, you know, where on the page are you going to encourage people to click this button? How else are you going to draw attention to it? That is where your skill is as a designer, not necessarily creating the thing itself. It's more, yeah, I, I love the advancement of all of this, honestly, because it's made things much faster for me totally. as a designer to not have to stop and design from scratch a new icon every time I want one. We use Font Awesome on the ConvertKit marketing website. And so I just like search for the shape that I want, pull it from there, pop it in, done. Yep. Definitely don't feel like any less of a designer from from doing that. Totally. I will say that I think it's like as a designer, we got to be careful not to get too lazy and like we should probably know how to make all this stuff from scratch if we had to. But like doing it from scratch, maybe it's like milling the flour yourself <laughs> to, to bake some bread, you know, when you could just buy the bread flour from the store in a packet, right? which has already been like prepared for you. You've got all these ingredients, right? And designing is kind of like knowing how to combine them in the right way to produce the, the right result. Yeah, I think that's a really good analogy and probably relatable. A lot of people have been baking bread lately. Baking bread during the quarantine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you think there's a point where like maybe you maybe somebody does go too far? Like, I don't know. Do you ever remember stumbling on a portfolio and like it's clear that it was all came from a UI kit and there was, wasn't much originality? Do you feel like there is a risk of getting to that point or... 
do you just think like nah just go as as free as you want and use use them as much as you want I feel like you need to use them to supplement your own decisions and use them as like I said before ingredients rather than as a complete meal quote-unquote on their own <laughs> just to go with that analogy so like I don't know for example if you are working with a client on designing a website for them and you just grab a template and you don't make any changes to that template you just change the colors I feel like that might be ripping your client off a little bit mm. if you charge them a price as if you were you know designing it from scratch right because your client is then not getting something bespoke someone else could very easily have this exact same template they could make the same color choices and have a copy of their site which no client wants you know yeah yeah but if you'd taken the template as a starting point and made changes to it to like better fit your client's needs i think then that's okay because you've made your job easier by like picking a starting point that's the closest to where you want to end up so that you haven't had to bother doing that um, work from scratch but you've then used that extra time you've saved to create more bespoke stuff on top of it i think that's where it needs to go um, so that you're not yeah cheating your client out of things in a way yeah yeah no i i agree i think that is really important i yeah i feel like most of the time when i see like ui kits and things like that being used it is very much used as a jumping off point or like as a mm. starting point um i think if you like were to take a ui kit and yeah i mean i don't know i'm kind of struggling with like i don't know if there is a way to use a ui kit and like have had made no design decisions like yes they're like little puzzle pieces you have to put together so in that way you are composing a design yeah agreed and maybe where uh, things could get shady is if you were applying specifically for a ui design job and you were submitting you know this design you'd made with a ui kit as your portfolio because if someone's wanting to hire you as a ui designer specifically mm -hmm. they're going to be looking for you to create brand new uis and be making decisions there and so perhaps that would be misleading, you know? Yeah. But if you're a UX designer, then absolutely you should use a UI kit to bring your ideas to life because uh, that's a good indication and like a good representation of what you'd be doing in the role anyway. Totally. I think that's a really good point. I, I'm i assuming our listeners are smart enough to not do this, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. Like if you are an illustrator or, or want to be an illustrator and you're taking like free illustrations from some online marketplace and then putting them up on your website as like your own, maybe you changed a color or something. I don't think that's the right way to go. Like, no, you did not create that illustration. Um, but if you're say a UX designer and maybe you want to insert an illustration somewhere in your like screen design, then in that case, I mean, I've definitely done this where I've gone and taken an, a pre-made illustration online and, and used that because that's not my forte. That's not my main strength or my main skill set. I just need an illustration to kind of help communicate like my design and what I'm trying to show. So I do think it's about like being intentional and making sure that you're still developing and growing and like challenging the core skill area that you want to develop or that you have as your strength. And 
totally feel free to bring in other things like icons, illustrations, whatever, to help complement your work. I think that is fine. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Because like how I said before that you're cheating the client if you're just straight up using a template for something. You're cheating yourself out of building the skill sets you want to be building. Right. If this is something you want to, to improve on and you're just using assets for it, you're never going to learn how to do it yourself. Uh, so, you know, be the one to create the asset instead of using someone yeah. else's for sure. But when there's a skill that, you know, you're not looking particularly to build or I don't know, maybe you can do it, but you don't need to like me with icons, for example, there's just no need for me to design them from scratch every no. time. But um, I do need to have the skills to be able to create, create one when I can't find the suitable existing one, if that makes sense. Um, so that's like the thing that I practice. Yeah, this topic has really made me think a little bit philosophically about what does it mean to be a designer? And like, mm. what is design? Is design just like creating, like creating things from scratch, like our listener says, or is it about like the visualness aspect of something? Or is it about how you put things together? I don't know. It's caused me to reflect a bit on that. And I think for me, design is, and this is kind of cliche. I think people have heard this before, but like design is a lot about problem solving and it's about making decisions and like having rationale and like building good experiences, whether it's marketing or graphic design, whatever. Uh, and how you get there is kind of up to you as a designer. And as long as that's what you're doing, as long as you're solving the problem, you're making these, you know, good, hopefully good design decisions along the way, how you got there to me is not necessarily as important as the final outcome or the decisions made along the way or the ability for what you created to solve that problem. So if you need to use a template as a jumping off point to get to that end point, then great start there. Yeah. It's just caused me to think a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it makes sense. And I think that something else that we have as designers is our taste, right? The the taste we have in design, of recognizing good design, recognizing what is going to create a good experience, what is going to make something easier to understand and knowing what elements to combine to make that. Something that I've noticed just as, um, you know, watching what uh, people do with the templates we provide sometimes in for ConvertKit landing pages. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you took this beautiful thing. <laughs> How did you choose these wrong colors to like, just make it look terrible? I don't understand. And like, that's something that we're working on trying to improve at ConvertKit is helping people make better design decisions. Interesting. You know? Yeah. But um, I think it's just a good example of showing how you can give someone all of the right ingredients to make something beautiful and to make something great. But if you don't have the skill and like taste of a designer, it can still go wrong. And so we are valuable for that reason too, even if it is just making the right color selection sometimes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I find that as I move further along in my design career, I rely less and less on these kind of freebie resources especially internally, like we have all of that provided for us. But yeah, I think like in general, at the beginning of your career, I think those are great. Like actually I encourage people to use those if you're early on or still studying or something, you're, you're still refining your skills and your taste. I think these kind of resources are a great place to start to, you know, get your feet wet, get your hands dirty, like get a feel for it, try different things, explore. Um, so I think that they have actually a really good place in that stage of, of people's design career as well. Yeah, I agree. 
And I think that you can learn a lot by dissecting them almost in a way. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's been times where I've downloaded a free vector file and then been like, oh, okay, how have they set this up? Or like, what do the points look like on this shape? Um, and it helps me learn how I could po possibly draw one myself next time, you know? Um, I think that's a good way to approach it. And maybe another good way to approach it would be uh, Steal Like an Artist Approach. Yeah. This is a book that I've mentioned a million times in the show. I'm <laughs> sure a lot of our listeners have read it by now. Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. It's this approach of like taking pieces from other people's work. So in this case, taking freebie resources and combining them into something that makes them unique, combining them in a unique way to, to make something new. And I think that that's a... What you should always be aiming to do when you're using freebies is never to have the end result be the exact same or very similar to what you started with, but be that you've combined other things and made your own changes and your own design decisions to create something new from this freebie starting point. Yeah, I, I super like that. I keep thinking back to like the baker or like even like the conductor of an orchestra, you know, that that's really the role of the designer to like bring all these pieces together. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I'm curious, Charlie, do you have any shout outs to like resources that you've used or like websites that you, you mentioned Font Awesome before, anything else that you use regularly or that you really like? I love Noun Project for icons. This is what I use for anything that I do like on in my personal projects because I don't have a Font Awesome license for my own stuff. But I love Noun Project, how you can just type in whatever you need and you'll find a bunch of different representations, different styles of it. I sometimes use it as a starting point just to get ideas for shapes to draw for myself as well. So I'm sort of using it as a, a search engine in a way. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite ones for sure. There was also, I think it was called Graphic Burger was a site that I used. Okay. Graphic Burger is a site with like lots of free mock-ups and stuff. They also seems like I have UI kits and icons too. But um, I used the mock-ups from there when I made my font. Um, and I oh. wanted to be able to show my font like in use on packaging or on right. album art or whatever. Like clearly a waste of my time to take my own photographs to right. mock up a record cover on or whatever when I could just get this free use one um, from this site. So yeah, I would recommend that for sure. What about you? Any, any want to shout out? Yeah, I love, there's a site called blush.design, which is by Pablo Stanley, oh, who's a well-known illustrator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a really neat like illustration library or, or marketplace, I guess, but it's very like handpicked illustrators. And what I like about it is that you can like compose your own illustration mocks kind of like they provide all the building blocks to like almost create your own illustration it's really hard to explain but I recommend checking that out I, I really like it you can like choose the environment you can choose like if your person is like standing or sitting or in a wheelchair or you know it's it's really cool uh, so I like that internally we use I think we use I don't know the link but like Facebook has like some good device frames so like if I want to put my designs like in a nice, pretty like iPhone X and like maybe there's a hand holding the phone, uh, those kind of like realistic mock-ups. Uh, we have some of those that we use that, uh, yeah, I really like. It's easy to just drop my design in there. Maybe one point that we should um, make sure we include in this episode when talking about freebies is to make sure if you're going to use one, that you check the license for what you can do. Oh, with yeah. it. Because um, 
You cannot just use whatever you find on the internet for free. I remember there was this one situation in my year of design school where the student had like pirated a bunch of fonts. Oh, no. And I think sometimes when you're a student, you can kind of feel like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like I'm just using it for a, a student a project. project. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So it's okay if I'm using this like pirated version of a font. Um, but guess what? It does matter. <laughs> this guy was stupid enough to actually tweet about finding all these fonts for free. Oh, uh, and wow, the really? font foundry noticed <laughs> and it sort of like spread and he was basically very shamed by it. There was another situation where a student was presenting their work and they'd used a, a local font designer's font, like a, a legal version they hadn't purchased a license for. And the font designer was one of the people judging their project. Oh and my so, God, no. Yep, they had to obviously very quickly purchase a license um, and apologize for that. But yeah, it's just not worth it. Um, those are very extreme cases, of course, but always make sure you know your rights with the thing you're using. Sometimes things are going to be free for personal use, sometimes for commercial use. And you have this with your font as well, right? You have two two different licenses, I think. Yes, but neither of them are free. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> that's also totally understandable. <laughs> yes. That's the thing, too. Like... Um, you know, using paid assets in your work, I would say to treat them the same as free assets. Cause there are like, you know, I pay for a noun project subscription, right? but I still treat my use of those icons the same as if it was like a free icon that I got. I always want to make sure I'm using it as an aid and not as a, you know, like make sure I'm not passing it off for something that I've designed myself. Um, yeah, for me, all of those apply no matter whether you've paid for the asset or whether it's a free one. Totally. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm very glad that you brought that up to include. Yeah. <laughs> Just thought we should, you know, encourage people to be going in the right direction there. <laughs> For sure. So I think to sum up, we're saying, don't worry, dear listener who emailed in about this. You're not a fake designer because you're using some assets. They're probably helping you learn. They're probably helping you learn and like craft your taste as well in deciding which ones to combine and, and use to form your design. But make sure that you don't use them as a crutch and you don't get lazy and you're still building the skills that you want to have and you want to like use to make yourself desirable as a designer. Do you feel like that's a good summary, Fem? I feel like that is a great summary. A special thank you to our listener who sent in this question, who is from Denmark, actually. So shout Ooh. out to Denmark. If you have a question that is burning in your mind that you would like us to talk about on the show, you can always tweet us at designlifefm, or you can also send us an email, hello at designlife.fm, if you would prefer to do it that way. Yes, we always want to hear from you on your topics and your thoughts. Uh, Thanks for listening as well. You know, episode 200 to this yeah. show. Wow. I know that a lot of <laughs> listeners probably have joined fairly recently. Maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard of the show. I don't know. But no matter how long you've been listening to us, thanks for being here and for sharing your thoughts and asking your questions over the years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Webflow also for sponsoring this episode. Remember, you can get 10% off any new annual plan using the code DESIGNLIFE. Link will be in the description, show notes, whatever they're called for a podcast. <laughs> those things. <laughs> yeah, those things. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. All right. Have a good week, Charlie. You too, fam. Bye. Bye. Bye.